0: Hello, this is episode 225 of the Fruple Psychology Podcast. I'm Dr Nisha Riley. This podcast's on love. Seemed the right week for it. This is going to be a rambling podcast, but I do have notes. So we have Valentine's head in Dublin. I go talk to it sometimes. I haven't been able to see him for a while. I'll include a link with the history of how we ended up with Valentine's skull. And I think there's a vial of blood as well. And also the fact that there are two Valentine's stories. There are two legends, there's possibly two Valentines, but people are not really sure. I lean towards the first one. The reason that we celebrate Valentine's Day is that on the 14th of February, in either 269 or 270, he was beheaded for secretly marrying people who were in love. Because... The Roman general felt that he was finding it hard to get soldiers, basically. And the reason for this was that because they had wives and families that they loved and they didn't want to go to battle. So he forbid people to be married. And Valentine didn't agree with this. He thought love sort of conquered all, and that people should be allowed to get married. But it is quite interesting because I'm not really a church person. And a particular church where he rests, is a church that Mother Teresa has said Mass in twice and it has quite a profound feeling. And I have noticed that if I go and light candles at St. Valentine, that it's been pretty profound. And I generally find that I'll go and light them for a number of people at the same time. And on one particular occasion, I got a text on the way into the church, so I knew the time. And I had lit it for a friend who needed to go and face something very difficult and was very worried about it. And at the precise moment that I lit it, we compared notes afterwards. She told me about how literally everything had just sort of stacked up in her favour and unfolded perfectly. But the more interesting thing that I've noticed is that he seems to believe in unconditional love. And I've come to the experience that he really is a sort of a, a guardian almost. Because if I light a candle for someone in my life who's in, incapable of unconditional love, they will always end up removed from my life. I don't mean this, you know, in terms of romantic relationships. It's all relationships. It's like if I light a candle for somebody in good faith and with good belief and good intentions, if they don't reciprocate those from me, I've often noticed that they don't stay in my life after I've lit the candle. And it's happened on a number of occasions now, so it's got me wondering about it. And I think... There's an aspect that we spend so much time trying to control love, and it's the one thing that you can never own. There's one really nice saying I like, you must love in such a way that the person you love feels free. And I'll include the quote, because I can never say the monk's name. And another really interesting aspect of this, I think, is that a lot of it begins in childhood, and not necessarily in the ways that we think. The aspect of The Prophet by Cahill Gibran is one of my favourites explanations to parents about children and love he was a Lebanese writer and it's not about owning your children and it's not about controlling them I'll, I'll try to to speak some of the passage and again I'll include it in the description our children are not your children they are the sons and daughters of life's longing for itself they come through you but not from you and though they are with you they belong not to you You may give them your love, but not your thoughts, for they have their own thoughts. You may house their bodies, but not their souls, for their souls dwell in the house of tomorrow, which you cannot visit, not even in your dreams. And he goes on in this tone, and I think it does set up an incredible amount of the patterns in people's lives, and how they view relationships, and how they view growth, And I get a bit hacked off with people who make sweeping statements about relationships and especially that, you know, that if you haven't had a good one with your mother, that you're not capable of it and so on. And there are many people who are not born into perfect families, but it's about your awareness and it's about your awareness to do something different. And I'm always reminded that I grew up in the worst recession in Ireland, totally unaware. It's probably why I don't mind my life being so simple but my childhood was incredibly happy and I never had any knowledge of any hardship around us when the reality was that my father was self-employed in a horrendous recession. And when I started writing, I wrote the first book for my mother really because she couldn't get over her father's death and not because they were close, it was the opposite. She grieved for the father she didn't have to go with a mother that she'd never known. And it's what, makes what they managed to give to me so special. Because you don't have to grow up with unconditional love to know how to give it. And I make a point of taking all that they gave me to share beyond us. And I'm very grateful for the fact that they allowed me to grow as an individual as well. There was never any sense of having to have their thoughts, as Gibran puts it. And Sometimes when I work with people and I hear their life stories, I'm given hope. Hope because eventually, after all the pain, it's almost as if they're divinely guided to a soul who can nurture them as they never were before. And it takes courage to keep showing up every time and to keep expecting something new to happen, especially when you've been through many difficult relationships. The only reason for not being a relationship is because you can't grow. And that applies to all, to friendships, to partnerships, to business, to all relationships if you can't continue to expand and to grow. And if you notice a pattern that when you grow, that people aren't happy for you, or that they start to hold you back, or it starts to be more toxic, it's a really important cue for you to change. It's the only question I ever ask people when they're getting married. Will you be able to grow? And sometimes you can for a while too. And I think this is difficult for some personalities, because they change a lot and change very rapidly. And some people don't continue to grow at the same rate, or they don't want to continue to grow beyond a certain age. I think there are key points when this starts to happen, around your early 30s and your early 50s. Some people think that their lives are over at these points. They start to plateau, and they don't have aspirations to keep growing or to keep being ambitious or to keep changing or to keep being adventurous, which seems a bit nuts to me, especially as a woman. Because I've noticed that women are very often not recognized in their careers till much later, often well into their 50s. And even if they're recognized early for some of their successes, they may not get true recognition until that age. It can be easy to stack up attainment in your early 20s, but then to not really grow beyond those achievements into the next set of achievements until much later. And I think this is why if we substituted the word nurturing instead of love, we would have a humanity that will be a lot less like a homework cosmetic event. It would be something that nurtures you and helps you to grow beyond key points and to keep growing and to keep attaining new things and new experiences.